Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think it's also very empowering. You know, like, I think, I honestly believe everyone should travel solo at least once in their life. And if you don't like it, fine. You don't have to do it again. But I think that the skills of being alone and, you know, having to do things for yourself are really important and that to go alone and to discover you can handle it is very very empowering welcome to the budget-minded traveler podcast your source for the tips and tactics that will inspire and equip you to travel the world and the best part it won't break your bank and now the budget-minded traveler herself and your host jackie lalanen Hey guys, welcome to the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. Thanks for tuning in wherever you are in the world. We are starting a new series today. For the next four episodes, we're going to be chatting with women travelers on the subject of solo female travel. And some of them are married, some are single. We're just going to hit it from all angles. And guys, don't run away because there is good stuff in these interviews for everyone, of course. Um, Solo travel does affect more than just females. (laughs) And we do talk about that. So our first guest is Steph Yoder. She is the founder of 20somethingtravel.com, and we will bring her on in a minute. But first, I do have an important piece of news before we get into this series, and this is a hard subject for me to bring up, but in the interest of being transparent since episode one of this podcast, um, I do think it's necessary for all of you guys who are faithful listeners to know. And I want to start by saying a big thank you for sticking with me this year as my podcast schedule has been quite sporadic. Um, I appreciate those of you who have emailed me with concern and I want to be really open and honest with you, which is why I want to tell you that I actually have gone through a divorce this year, um, which is why I'm on this long-term solo trip, which is why I have done series recently on long-term travel, and now this one on solo female travel. They're both kind of directly relevant to my life these days. Um, So it's a very scary thing to choose to be transparent like this, but I have been this way with you from the very beginning, so there's no reason for me to change that now. And I did write about this on my personal blog, travelingjackie.com, and I will link to it in the show notes page which will be at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 58. So go ahead and take a look at the post if you want to understand why I'm sharing this with you and why I do think that it's important for me to tell you this as it is relevant to everything that is going to take place on the podcast and in my blogging um, from here on out. It hasn't been an easy subject to talk about, to say the least, um, which is why I'm not bringing it up till now. But now you know. So thank you for letting me say that. And we're going to go ahead and bring Steph on to kick off this series about solo female travel. All right. Shaking it off. Okay, here we go. So Steph Yoder 
is a successful blogger over at 20 Something Travel. You may have heard of her already, actually. Back in 2010, she took a career break and never went back to her nine to five life, which is the story that I love. And in the past five years, she's been to dozens of countries and lived in Mexico, Argentina, and China. And she is now a full-time blogger and travel writer. And she actually lives in Seattle these days with her husband, Mike. So let's go ahead and bring stuff on. Hey, Steph, how you doing? Hi, Jackie. I'm good. How are you? I am good. Thanks for asking. You know, it's funny. The last time that we did this, we were in a men's bathroom in Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really hilarious. We kind of cornered you, Nathaniel and I, and asked you some questions. I don't even remember what we were talking about at that point, actually, but... um, either but i remember that the bathroom was the only place we could find that was quiet right we were at a women's conference so i guess it does make sense and the audience should probably know that (laughs) it just sounds so (laughs) random now that i think about it anyway um so where are you now because we are definitely not even in the same room let alone a bathroom where are you (laughs) i'm at home in my apartment in seattle in seattle Awesome. And so, okay, you are the founder of 20-something Travel. And uh, I'm really curious because we all know um, that you, well, I mean, I guess we being your readers of your blog, we know that A, you're not 20-something anymore. And B, you're also married, which fascinates me because of the subject today, which is solo female travel. Um, But I guess I want to start out with asking you how you how you got into traveling, um, kind of what's your backstory? Who are you? And uh, where did you find this love for travel? <laughs> well, you know, when I started my blog, I was a 20 something. Yeah. I wasn't married. I actually <laughs> hadn't even met my husband yet. So that's kind of how it goes. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, you know, I was in my mid twenties and I was working kind of a boring desk job that I didn't particularly like. And I decided what I really wanted to do was quit my job and backpack around the world. Um, I had lived abroad in England for a little while, so I knew this was kind of a common thing for people to do in Europe and in Australia, but it's Mm -hmm. not really something that's quite as accepted or common in the U.S. Mm -hmm. for people to travel in their early or mid-20s, take a year off. Um, So I started my blog basically to keep myself motivated, but also to encourage other people to travel in their 20s, because I do think it's a a really important time for self-discovery and learning and just like a really ideal opportunity to get out and see the world. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I started writing my blog about a year before I quit my job. And surprisingly to me, people started reading it. (laughs) So that by the time I quit, I realized, hey, maybe I can get away with just doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. And that was more than five years ago. That's amazing. So Mm -hmm. when actually did you start traveling abroad? You said you mentioned, uh, you you said you had studied abroad in England before. So how old were you when you when you did that? Or when was your first trip? I had never really traveled abroad at all until I decided to study abroad in London my senior year of college. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. It was kind of like the very last semester I had the opportunity to do it. I'd been sitting on the fence for a while, and I finally committed to do it. And I went over there, and I just I fell head over heels in love with, well, both with London and with the idea of travel and the the freedom it gives you and just the amazing opportunities to learn and discover stuff. 
So I just really, really loved it. And I went back to school for a semester. When I graduated, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I figured if I didn't know what I was going to do, I might as well not know back in London. And I got a six-month work visa and I went back Mm. and Mm. spent more time living in London and probably never would have left except my work visa expired and I ran out of money. So (laughs) then I had to come home and get a real job for a while. But I really caught the bug. <laughs> what what is because I I can completely relate to this. Um, I did it my second year of college, and and so I, I actually you're so lucky that you did it at the end because for me I was stuck with like three more years of school when I when I did my study abroad. Oh my god, that's the one thing I didn't think about before I left. Was like I mean I was eighteen. And I went down to Costa Rica for the year and I got back. And at that point, I didn't realize it was three years left. I thought I could do it in two. But then I studied abroad again because I couldn't not, you know, because uh, that it just takes hold of you. And I, I completely understand, like in, in the simple sentence of oh, I just loved it so much and I fell in love with it. Like we're saying so much in that simple sentence about how how travel just says, yep, this is what you're going to do from now on. And it's like, oh, uh, oh, okay, well, uh, well, let's get back on a plane then and, and go do it. And I love that you that you wanted to um, not know what you were doing with your life in London, because why not? Right. I mean, if you're going to be somewhere not knowing what to do, then take that advantage and, and go go overseas. That's great. So what yeah. did you do in London? Um, I worked for Christie's, which is the fine art auction house. It was very, very random. I was a receptionist there um, <laughs> at their high security warehouse where they keep all of their really expensive stuff that they're not auctioning at the moment. Oh. So I basically worked in a box surrounded by security cameras uh, <laughs> through a very dark London winter. So it was oh. a little rough and I didn't mm. have a lot of money, but I, I loved it. I lived with three Australian dudes, which was really fun. I had a British boyfriend. I, you know, ate nothing but hummus and toast for months, but just loved it. Mm -hmm. And then, so you said after that, you, did you go back to the States to get, to, to make some more money, right? Yeah, I basically, I worked in London and then I backpacked around for a few months around Europe then I was absolutely flat broke. So I had to go home and move back in with my mom. Mm-hmm. And I got the first job I was offered, which was um, working at a medical association hmm. and was, you know, paid well, had health insurance, but wasn't terribly fulfilling. And I took the job kind of knowing that eventually I would leave again and that I wasn't really done with the travel thing yet. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's what I kind of I mean, the the whole running out of money thing, oh, it's like a curse, you know, because then you just it's like you can go chase your dream and then you have to go home and get a job. And that's what I found the service industry, like working in restaurants so helpful for was because nobody cares when you leave and you can bank a ton of money while you're there if you want to. And so I spent like five years in that cycle. Um, well, that's so much. I, I've never been a waitress or anything, but I feel like, yeah, that's probably really great for people who want to travel. Yeah, it's it's kind of brilliant. <laughs> Although you, oh man, well, anyway, that's a whole different rabbit hole. Um, so, okay, what I am interested in then is how many, how many years did you, or how many times, where did you go when you traveled solo? This is, we're talking pre-Mike, like, um, <laughs> how much travel did you do? So before we met Mike, I'd actually only done a little bit of solo travel. I did most of solo travel after we met, oddly enough. Hmm. Um, 
But I, when I was backpacking around Europe after London, I did some of that by myself. Um, then I came back to the U.S. And then I basically had this idea that I was going to backpack around the world by myself for a year. And, you know, I was going to have all sorts of crazy love affairs and adventures <laughs> and just do whatever. Well, about a month before I was supposed to leave on my big trip, I met Mike. Mm. And it was one of... You know, I hate when people say really cliche things like this, but it was just like, you know, I met him and I'm like, okay, I know, like, that's it. That's the guy. Mm-hmm. Not very convenient timing. Um, <laughs> but he was actually, he was also a travel blogger. So that's how we met. And he had just gotten back from backpacking around the world for a year and a half mm-hmm. and was leaving again to go teach English in China for a year around the same time I was leaving on my trip. So it actually worked out really well where... He went to China and I did some of my trip alone and then I went to visit him. And then I went off on my own again. And then later he came up and met with me with me when he had some time off. So uh, most of my solo travel has been well in a relationship. I love that. I really do. You have a brilliant post on your site that you actually just posted recently, right? The one about um, solo travel while you're married. Yeah, it's like brand yeah. new. It's so brilliant. I'm going to link to it on the show notes page. Um, it's called Traveling Solo When You're Married. Guys, it's on 20-something travel. Um, but let's talk about that because you've been, I mean, maybe you weren't married when, you know, when you guys obviously started dating. That's kind of an obvious sentence. But but I mean, like, you were still committed. Yet you, yeah. what I love about this is that you had this plan to go spend a year backpacking by yourself. And even though you met him, you still made it happen. And I love that. You still chose to do the thing that you wanted to do. And it was, it's so convenient that it worked out that he was also going to do something because um, then you would have had to face, you know, either going home to visit or him coming with you or something. But the bottom line is you still got to do this trip, which is just brilliant. I think, um, and it's only taken off really since since then, right? I mean, you've been still kind of yeah. doing these trips and seeing him in between and whatever. That's kind of just the way that you are. Your your marriage, I guess, was really founded on that, which I think is so cool because it's like you both knew that this is part of you from the very beginning. This is how it's going to be. And um, from the looks of this post, it really hasn't changed all that much. I love how you say, um, well, I want to I want to let you talk about it. What, what do you think about solo travel when you're married? I want to hear it from you. <laughs> so, you know, my basic opinion is when you get married, you are still you and you still, you know, are an independent person with your own wants and needs. And that solo travel is just a really good way to express that and stay true to yourself. Um, for me, you know, I'm a person who loves to travel and I actually really like traveling alone. So the fact that I'm married doesn't mean I should have to stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm very mm-hmm. lucky that I met someone like Mike who supports me and who's on board with that, which is probably, I, I think that's part of the reason I fell in love with him. And I would think probably my independent nature is part of the reason he fell in love with me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the major points that you that you have in this article that, that I really like, um, time apart is healthy. Um, I love that. I think that that's absolutely right. Where, um, where have you been like in this last year that you actually went without him? 
Let's see. In the past year, I went to Sri Lanka by myself with a long layover in Hong Kong. Um, and then I was in Barcelona for a few days by myself before he was able to come catch up with me. Um, what else? Oh, I went to Boston by myself when I met you. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a couple other things that I can't think of right now. But, um, oh, basically all the work trips I go on are usually solo. Mm-hmm. So probably about half a dozen different trips in the past year by myself. And then he also travels by himself for work as well. So, mm-hmm. And I mean, of course you miss him, right? Of course. You know, I think that part of the, the best part about it actually is coming home and you kind of develop a different appreciation for your spouse when they're not there. And it just feels so nice to come home to them. Mm-hmm. And do you ever kind of view it as like your me time? Is it like that for you? Oh, definitely. You know, I think... Part of the reason I really like solo travel is because you can basically do whatever you want without having to compromise with another person. Mm -hmm. You know, traveling with another person is great in a lot of ways, but it does mean you have to make some some sacrifices and change, you know, your the nature where you might travel by yourself. So like for me, uh, when I'm on my own, I like to kind of just wander aimlessly, snack here and there. I might not sit down for a whole meal. Um, I might go shopping, uh, things Mike doesn't particularly like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it's just, it is definitely very self-indulgent, I would say. I agree. I mean, it's sometimes hard to, it's sometimes hard to put yourself in that, like, like think about doing it before you're there. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but a lot of women who kind of have a fear around traveling solo, um, and, and I think that maybe the, the fear isn't so much around um, doing things alone, but the kind of, you know, maybe just being lonely or not having anybody to help make those decisions. But when you put yourself in the situation and you, you really kind of do feel that freedom to do whatever it is that you want to do, it's so liberating and if you sit down and you decide you don't like a place, get up and leave or whatever it is. You know, if someone is um, trying to talk to you, and you really don't like the, the conversation, you can leave. You know, I mean, the, it's just like you don't have to depend on other people. And if, if there's something that you really wanted to see and it's 10 o'clock at night and, you know, other people are going to bed, but it's still out there, you know, like take yourself for a walk, you know, whatever it is. I mean, you don't have to check in with other people. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to, you know, I mean, it's just like, it is very self-indulgent. I think it's also very empowering, you know, Mm -hmm. like I think, I honestly believe everyone should travel solo at least once in their life. And if you don't like it, fine, you don't have to do it again. But I think that the skills of being alone and, you know, having to do things for yourself are really important and that to go alone and to discover you can handle it, it's very, very empowering. Mm-hmm. I think resourcefulness is one of the biggest, um, I think people underestimate their own resourcefulness when they travel. And this is especially highlighted in so in solo travel because you are the only one there figuring out the next hotel, the next train ticket, the next meal, even all of these things are on you alone to make the decision. And I think we are, we so easily depend on each other sometimes to come up with things to do or whatever it is, even as simple as planning our day, you know, that 
we forget that we're completely capable of taking care of every single thing that it is we need to take care of when we're on our own until we put ourselves in that position, you know? And so it's like we relearn just how to use some of the skills that, that we kind of just forget about or we let go numb because we don't use them enough. And it's that fascinates me. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's kind of terrifying too, you know, to put yourself in this position where, where you can only rely on yourself. Um, I personally have been scared pretty much every time I go off on my own. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that's important. I think a lot of people are put off by being scared, but I think that the being scared and doing it anyways is the really important bit, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to put yourself out there, push yourself out of your comfort zone and discover that you can still function Absolutely. (laughs) As simple as that sentence is, though, that's it's so true. It's so true. Um, And, you know, I find that carries back into my everyday life, too. It's like, okay, well, I backpacked through Cambodia by myself. I can probably handle calling the doctor to make an appointment, even though I don't really want to. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Yeah. And actually, that's a good point is uh, being bold to do things because you do have to be the one to always speak. I mean, there's a lot of times that I travel with people and I'm, I'm a linguist, like I love languages. And so I'm often looked at as the one in the group who will do all the ordering or whatever it is, you know, and um, I love to encourage the people that I'm traveling with to, you know, order, order the drink yourself. And this is how you say it or something like that, you know, just, but when you're alone, you don't have a choice. Like you have to be the person to, approach the waiter to, oh man, I mean, I'm doing this right now. Like I'm in, I'm in Southern Italy and here, I mean, I do speak Italian and I mean, what I have left of it from, from 10 years ago living here, but, um, it is very intimidating to walk into, for example, like a full restaurant, uh, as a solo traveler and have to find a table for one. And like, it it can definitely be scary, but but you know what? No one else seems to care. <laughs> like, no one is really going to stare at you funny. <laughs> I always tell people that eating out by yourself is a really good skill to practice at home, too. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's something you're scared about dealing with when you travel, you can take yourself out to eat at home. And, you know, the more you do it, the less weird it starts to feel. It's so true. You have a another post. I should link to this one too. It's so good. The one that you wrote for Hostel World, Nine Myths and One Truth. And you talk about that on there and I love it. I still have never taken myself out to a movie by myself, but I know there's a lot of people who do that in the States. Like just just go out yeah. to a movie by themselves. They love it. <laughs> I had always like thought that was so weird, but... so weird. What? I don't know why it feels weird because... <laughs> You know, in a movie, you're not even talking. To I know it's so there. true. It's so true. Like I think eating out alone is more intimidating because people could actually see you sitting by yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But the movie, you're in the dark. I don't know. I, I do it occasionally when Mike's out of town, and it's always fun. It's kind of like taking yourself on a date. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. How do you deal with the loneliness? Because I know it happens. Yeah, I think. Part of it is just kind of accepting that it's going to happen and kind of embracing it and not fighting it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can kind of mentally prepare yourself, you know, I'm probably going to feel lonely at some point as opposed to working really hard to avoid it all the time. And then when it happens, you kind of look at and you're like, okay, I feel kind of down tonight, but tomorrow I'm going to go out and do stuff and it's going to pass. 
um, just kind of like embracing it a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then I also think, you know, the nice thing about solo travel is you're really only as alone as you want to be. Um, if you stay in hostels, like there's always ready-made friends in the wings that you can easily make. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thanks to the internet, you know, I use Twitter and other websites to meet up with people like readers sometimes or other travel bloggers. Um, sometimes it's nice just to see a friendly face and someone to have dinner with once in a while. Oh yeah, definitely. My, my brother's actually coming this weekend, um, to travel with me for a couple of weeks and I am so excited to see a familiar face. I can't wait. Cause it's been, it's been a while. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think with solo travel, you know, especially over like a couple of weeks, it can, it can start to feel pretty lonely. So it's nice if you can have people come in once in a while to sort of relieve that. And then after you've been with them a couple of weeks, it feels really good to get back out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, there's another thing on this um, on your nine myths that I wanted to talk about because now you've been on both sides of the wearing a wedding ring thing. <laughs> Do you have you noticed a difference at all in the way Honestly, that? Yes, yeah, now that you have now that you have a ring, <laughs> what I haven't noticed any difference. I kind of thought there would be, but um, no. I, I still get chatted up the mm-hmm. same amount of times. <laughs> People still ask me, you know, I don't know. I think, you know, wedding rings are not necessarily a universal thing all over the world either. Um, mm-hmm. So not everyone recognizes that as a symbol that you're married. Or if you're not Very wearing true. one, they'll still ask you, are you married? And, yeah. you know, it's funny. I actually lost my wedding ring last week, so I haven't been wearing one oh, this no. week. Now it feels really weird. <laughs> oh. Um, that's so funny. I mean, not, not the, not the losing the ring, but just the, the part about how it's, it is, it's different in in every, it's different all over the world. I mean, some people wear it even on the other, on the other hand, like in, in some (laughs) cultures you wear it on the other hand. So it actually doesn't even mean anything. Like when you're out traveling in the world, it could be anything. Um, actually in Southern Italy where I am right now, it's really kind of interesting because it's like part of the culture here for, young people to wear wedding rings when they're dating. It is, I mean, which is, I know, I think it's like kind of crazy, but I mean, I guess there are people like, okay. So I used to wear a ring on my wedding ring finger since I was like 18 because it was the only finger that it fit on. And so I always had one and you know what? You're right. It doesn't make a difference. It really doesn't make a difference. Yeah. I feel like if some creep wants to, you up they're not be deterred by a ring they're probably aren't even going to know it's very true have you ever been in a situation that you thought was a like have you ever been in a dangerous situation has anything ever happened to you as a solo female traveler honestly i've been very very lucky i think because i've never been in a really bad situation i've Mm -hmm. been in you know uncomfortable conversations that i've wanted to get out of but nothing where i actually feared for my safety which i know is not a universal truth Right. But I mean, it's still something. I mean, same with me, I would say. Um, Same thing. You know, I haven't. And I mean, after over 12 years or something of travel to never have gotten into one of those situations, I know we're lucky because I've heard of so many. I know you have as well. But do you have... I would say I'm also 
bit more cautious when I travel alone than I probably am when I'm with Mike. You know, I'm yeah. probably not going to walk around late at night by myself or mm-hmm. go out to a bar and get drunk or something. Actually, that's what I was going to ask you about. If you have any kind of um, precautions that you take uh, on the safety side as a solo female traveler and in in the same sense as what what is the what would you advise other women you know like these are all the same kind of things like what is it that you do to protect yourself that would be helpful to share with other people so the biggest thing and i don't even know if it's necessarily exclusive to travel is i'm just always really hyper aware of my surroundings mm-hmm. you know if i'm on a train mm-hmm. platform or walking down the street i'm always like is anybody looking at me weird is anybody following me but you I do the same thing when I'm walking around at night in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a travel thing. It's just kind of always being aware of what's going on around you and always kind of being in control. Um, other than that, I probably take more taxis when I'm alone versus walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think there's really that much I do different, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Just kind of being mm-hmm. aware and, you know, be slightly less daring than I would be if I had someone else with me. Yeah, I yeah. think the the taxi thing is actually a really good tip because the, the that's if you have a bad and I, I've, I've said this before, but I mean, trust your intuition, you know, and if it is dark and you shouldn't be walking around and you have the option to take a taxi, it's it's such a brilliant idea because they're cheap in the end, you know, and it's, it is a safe thing to try and, uh, um, to take the, you know, take the better be safe than sorry, I guess is, is going back to that. But. Absolutely. You have to trust your instincts. And also, you know, the other thing I tell women is don't be afraid to be rude if you need to be. I think, especially in the U S women were kind of conditioned to be polite, no matter what, even if a creep is talking to you and you don't want to keep talking to them. Like, I know for me, whenever I get nervous and I want to get out of a situation, my instinct is I just start smiling like a maniac when I'm nervous, which hmm. is, you know, not good. It kind of sends the opposite <laughs> signal of what I would like. Um, so, you know, I think it's important if you do feel unsafe or if you are in a situation you don't want to be in, it's okay to be rude and just walk away or say no. Mm-hmm. Well, and as long as it's I not going to put you in danger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, to escalate things either but mm-hmm. you know it's you don't have to talk to people you don't want to talk to just to be polite mm-hmm. actually that's a brilliant so, point mm-hmm. yeah so I think you know being assertive does not necessarily equate with being rude and I think you know that is also something that is good to practice you know mm-hmm. like if some creepy dude in a hostel wants to buy you a drink it's okay to say no even <laughs> if you know they get a little bit offended and even if you're thirsty <laughs> I mean, if you're thirsty, that's great. Um, Do you have any specific memories of like of having that that moment where you've been completely alone and like just completely content on the road? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's usually, you know, wandering around the city, kind of discovering like a new ice cream place or a really great view and kind of having it all to yourself. Mm. And it's just like that feeling of, you know, I propelled myself here. I did this by myself. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's the feeling I'm always chasing when I'm traveling alone. Like I made this happen and I'm here. 
it's kind of a pat on the back sort of situation. Yeah, I think that goes to the empowering thing that you were talking about earlier. It's I, I read a quote once that I absolutely love, and it was now I'm going to mess it up probably, but it was when you it's like when you smile when you're alone, that's when you know you really mean it. And I loved <laughs> I that. that. Yeah, because honestly, solo travel is not necessarily my choice. I love being with people. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to let the fact that no one else happens to have this kind of lifestyle could just kind of globe trot around the world with me. I'm not going to let that stop me. Um, and so often I do feel lonely, you know, and there is something that I <laughs> turn to and you're probably going to laugh at me for this, but I actually really, I have found that I love going out and having a beer by myself <laughs> And what's brilliant about that is that you can do it anywhere. And I just... This is true. Yeah, you can. Even if it's a crappy beer. Okay. I mean, obviously, I prefer a better beer. But um, <laughs> there's just something about it when you find a good seat that's just for you, you know, with a beer. And like, whether there's a TV or anything else nearby, maybe you're just people watching, but you just get to thinking. Like, you just... I mean, it. I feel like it, that just transports me to the moment. And I love that. And I, <laughs> and I just like reflect on everything and I just find myself just smiling. I mean, and you know, I, I swear it's not, it's not the alcohol. Like I just, it's just like the idea. I could do it with a cup of coffee too, you know, but, um, having that go-to yeah. thing I think is really important. Ask, would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am extroverted, but I have some introvert yeah. tendencies. I mean, but, I, and I think I, my tendencies are that I actually really like being with, with one person uh, rather than like an mm -hmm. entire crowd. Um, I really enjoy one-on-one. -on -one. And so I, I love having that buddy with me to just do all the things, you know, uh -huh. but why do you ask? Yeah, oh, well, just the way you said, you know, you, <laughs> It's like going out to a bar, you still get to be around people. So maybe you still get like a bit of energy from that, mm -hmm. even if you're not necessarily interacting with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Last night, actually, I just went to check out a uh, a beer bar, like an um, artisanal beer, craft beer. I'm like messing up my language here. Um, yeah. A bar here in Lecce in, in Italy. And I I walked in and I, I always get... I actually think it's it's a mental thing that I say. I always get looks like people always look at me, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm the solo traveler. It's probably all in my head. But anyway, um, there were a couple of, of parties of people at the tables. And I asked the bartender, like, can I just sit at the bar? You know, and he's like, yeah, like he seemed surprised that I wanted to sit at the bar rather than like a table by myself. And he ended up chatting with me like the whole time I was there. It was so fun. And he was like pulling out all these beers and letting me try stuff. It was amazing. You know, but I mean, we connected over that and it was really cool. And I had like kind of a, a buddy to go have a beer with and it was the bartender. So oh, that's nice. See, I'm a bit of an introvert and I always I don't mind eating out by myself, but I'm always worried when I go out for a beer by myself that someone's going to try to talk to me. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to I don't want to make small talk with people I don't know. 
Yeah, you know, it's especially hard when it's not in English. Like that is so hard because it also taxes the brain like extra if you're trying to communicate in a language that's not your own. And sometimes if you're, you know, solo and not in the mood, then it's really hard to adapt to that kind of situation when you don't want it. And sometimes I am the same way. Like even I'll sit and I'm like, please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. Like I I just want to eat my <laughs> pizza and drink my beer by myself. <laughs> like um, I have a funny story. I have to tell this. <laughs> I was in uh, Thailand recently and I, I was by myself in the north of Thailand, in a small town called Pai. And <laughs> I went to this restaurant. Yeah. And it was a full, it was full. It was like this full restaurant is tiny. Uh, but it's just all the tables were for those table for two that was left. And, and I took one of the seats and it was facing the street, you know, like everything in Thailand is like super social. And so I was almost in the street, but I was sitting at this table and I kid you not four different guys in, in the, the span of, I would say, was it 30 minutes? I don't even know came and sat down right in front of me at the table and started chatting me up as if I was at a speed dating table. I was like, what is going, this doesn't even happen in movies. Like what is going on? And it was so funny because the people at the tables around me started, this girl at the table next to me leans over and she goes, are you famous or something? I was like, no, no, I have no idea. Hi guys. Um, there was a French guy, there was a Canadian, there was a Brit, there was a Dutch guy. Like, I'm pretty sure it was, it was crazy. None of them were Thai. Like, none of them were American. It was just like, I, I was, it was like I was on display and it actually was really, it was really entertaining and it didn't feel, um, dangerous at all, you know? So I, it didn't worry me. But, oh my gosh, what a spectacle. Like, that's probably one of the funnier things that has happened to me as a solo female traveler. Like, I'm like, seriously, do I have a sign on my forehead or something? Like, what is going on? But You know what trip I took that was the the worst for that, I guess, was when I went to Indianapolis, actually. <laughs> and it was a work trip. So I had all these meals and stuff scheduled by myself. Mm-hmm. And I could not sit down at a table without people asking me to join them sitting mm. down with me they're just like really friendly there i guess Aww. and i was like <laughs> no nice. i'm okay i want to eat dinner alone yeah <laughs> sometimes i know i just couldn't even believe it like i actually wanted to have dinner alone too like i i'm i had my beer there you know i was happy i was fine having my i was an italian restaurant and so i was having my pasta and my beer and <laughs> just sitting there like taking guests it's just so funny oh my gosh so how did you get them to go away or did they just leave on their own they all left on their own uh well i mean i had to shut down the conversation each time you know it's like uh well especially because i was about to leave once i was like shoot because now this guy thinks i'm gonna get up and walk with him and i'm like oh uh, no uh, I'm, I'm gonna go the other way or whatever you know like there's two directions only two directions and they basically lead to the same place and so like <laughs> i like sent them all away and like the whole restaurant is just like laugh it was so funny um and when it that is one of the, the times when it's handy to have a husband because you can just drop it in the conversation i know like oh it would have been yeah that would have been handy to just like <laughs> I mean, I had no ring, nothing, but yeah, it was so funny. And then when I left, because that was the thing is 
they all went the same direction and I had told them all I was going the other direction. And so, which was a lie. It was a lie because my hostel was that way. So when I got up and I had to walk through like, it was like the den of wolves because I knew that they were all down there in that one direction. And I like got on my phone and I just like got somebody, I don't even know if I was really talking to somebody or if I was just like listening to an old message. I was just like, head down. I'm just going to walk straight through this block because, you know, it was a small town and I didn't want them to like watch me go to my hostel or anything. So, but I made it. It was great. But it was funny. I mean, that there was no danger involved in that whatsoever. It was just kind of entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I had tried to go out by myself. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Well, at least you try. Yeah. Oh, well, um, gosh. Is there anything else you want to add? Is there anything that you want to say to females out there considering maybe traveling solo and maybe they have some fears around it? I mean, I think the most important thing is, you know, it's normal to be scared and being scared doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Like, I think a lot of times we think if you're afraid of something, that means it's bad. But sometimes it's good to do things that scare you and to push those limits. Mm-hmm. And I think solo travel is really good for that because it really it does help you kind of grow as a person and see what you're really capable of. And for that reason, I think it's extremely valuable, especially for women, but for everyone. Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I, it's important to find a partner who can support you in that. You know, what I was, I was going to say this before, but I forgot, you know, when I was facilitating on whether to study abroad or not for so long, the reason was I had a boyfriend who really, really didn't want me to go. Mm. Um, and for like two years, it was like a back and forth. I wanted to go study abroad. He didn't want me to go. And Finally, I ditched the boyfriend and I went to go anyways, and it changed my life. And, you know, it led me towards this partner who is a million times more supportive. Mm-hmm. I love that. So, you know, <laughs> and you never I, know. Me, yeah. You never know. And I, for me, I felt like I jumped first and then the universe kind of brought Mike into my life because I was willing to take that leap in the first place. Because mm-hmm. if I hadn't, if I never started my travel blog, if I never planned this trip, I never would have met him anyways. So <laughs> Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I always say, like, you never know who you're going to meet around the next corner. And it's so true. I mean, whether a partner or a friend or a travel buddy for life, like, it's just you never know. And you're never going to know unless you do it. So, yeah, sometimes you just kind of have to take that leap and trust that the universe is going to arrange itself around you. Mm hmm. Awesome. Well, it sounds kind of new, but yeah, no, but it's, it's, I mean, it is kind of cliche sounding, but there's a reason it's a cliche, you know, like we, that's, that's kind of how it happens. It's still true. Yeah. So, well, Steph, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your words of wisdom on solo female travel. (laughs) Um, Thank you for having me. And where can everybody find you in case they want to check out your blog and follow you? My blog is 20somethingtravel.com, 20-somethingtravel.com. And then I'm on Twitter at 20, the number 20, S travel, 20s travel. 20s travel. Yeah. And I'll link to all of that on the show notes as well. Um, So, yeah. Great. Thank you so much. And uh, I I wish you the best with with your solo partner traveling going forward. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right. 
Okay, guys, that wraps it up for today. Um, be sure to check out thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 58 for the show notes. And head on over to 20 Something Travel to follow Steph. I'm actually going to link to a couple of specific articles that we talked about today and um, some good stuff on her website on the show notes page, as well as that post I was telling you about in the very beginning. So thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.